Good morning, Marshall students, and welcome to another episode of NBA's Unplugged. I'm your host, Veg McDermott, and let's get into today, Tuesday, September 29th. Uh, so no real announcements for the program office, so I'm just going to try to dive through these events on uh, campus groups real quick. First, we have the Lusk Speaker Series happening at 1230 today. That's with the Graduate Real Estate Association. Then we have a casing workshop for product strategy being held by the High Tech Association today at 2 p.m., uh, followed by a fireside chat with Abigail Opia, the founder of Unruly.com. Uh, that is being put together by the Entrepreneur and Venture Management Association, also being co-hosted with the Black Graduate Business Leaders, happening today at 3.30 p.m. Finally, today we have the Student Investment Fund Info Session uh, being hosted by the Marshall Finance Association, happening at 5 p.m. Uh, tomorrow, we will have an MLFP Info Session, uh, being hosted, obviously, by MLFP at 2.15 p.m., followed by a Trammell Crow Company Information Session being put on by the Graduate Real Estate Association at 3 p.m., a Finance Roundtable Prep happening tomorrow at 5 p.m., that's with the Marshall Finance Association, a mandatory prep session for the HLA Networking Reception, so being put on by the Healthcare Leadership Association at 5 p.m., and then Excel for Toddlers, so I guess that is just a really... It's got a picture of like little kids on it, but I'm assuming it's for you all who are really rusty on your Excel <laughs> Excel skills. And that's being put on by the Marshall Data Analytics Club. So that will be starting at 6.30 p.m. Then on Thursday, we will have the another MLFP info session. So that will be your second chance to get information on that. That will be at 2.15 on Thursday, uh, followed by a Marshall Finance Association breather mixer. I don't know what that means, but it's a breather mixer happening at 5 p.m. Uh, then we have the Graduate Marketing Association hosting a Marketing 101 Intro to Casing uh, on Thursday at 5 p.m. Then we have the Cryptocurrency and Impact Investing with the Latino Management and Business Association being co-hosted by Marshall Net Impact. Um, that is happening at 5 p.m. on Thursday. Then they have the Marshall Business Competition Program Training, uh, Keynote, Apple Tips and Tricks at 5 p.m. as well. And then finally, a gaming alumni panel being put on by the Marshall Interactive Gaming Association at 5 p.m. on Thursday. Uh, finally, for Friday, we have JA in a Day, which is uh, one of the large events that we're doing through Challenge for Charity. Uh, that is from 9 a.m. to 10.30 a.m. I think it's like an hour and a half commitment for four hours of uh, C4C hours that go towards your ultimate C4C. So uh, if you're interested in that, make sure to, I think sign-ups might be over. Uh, I'm not sure. Um, then we have the Leadership and, Organiza Leadership and Organization Club uh, presents the Leadership Development Programs in Human Capital, Aid for our Summer Internships, Informal Networking, and with Second Years. So that will be Friday at 3.30 p.m. Then we have Change and Adaptation in the Entertainment Industry. So that will be put on by the Graduate Marketing Association and co-hosted with the BEA and the Marshall Interactive Gaming Association at 4.45 p.m. And that's about it for the events we have this week. So with that, we will now switch over to our guest portion of the show today, which today is going to be an old episode that I recorded with the one and only Just Chia. Uh, so this episode is a bit dated, and we do talk about some really high hopes for the fall that unfortunately did not come to pass. So uh, be prepared to get a little let down by us talking about uh, tailgates and welcome back parties and things like that. But otherwise, it's a really informative talk, and I think you guys will learn a lot about uh, Jess Chia and the career path that she's on. So with that, I will now switch it over to that portion of the show. And now moving over to the guest portion of our show, I am joined by arguably the busiest person 
in the class right now. Uh, Jess Chia, thank you so much for taking some time out of your crazy schedule to talk with me today. Happy to be here. <laughs> uh, so how are things going for you today? Great. Uh, we're in the thick of finals, so I should be studying, but you know, I love that last minute. I only have three hours feeling, so I'm kind of waiting <laughs> around for that. So thanks for, thanks for helping me kill some time. Well, I mean, I personally learn the best under pressure, so I figured that's sort of like an MBA talent. Yes. <laughs> and you're currently still out in California, correct? Yep. I'm quarantined in Los Angeles. Best place on earth. <laughs> I mean, I would agree with that. It felt like it was, what, almost 80 or 90 degrees for you guys this past weekend? Mm-hmm. Meanwhile, I'm sitting over here in the East Coast, and it was like 40 and change or something. Dang. I, yeah, yeah I'm, not, I'm not missing the East Coast right now. Nope. Not a good time to be. <laughs> I'll, I'll be, believe me on that one. Um, and so heading into today's show, uh, you already picked out your two guest segments for today. Uh, the first one being the soundboard research. So what we're going to do is I have four sounds pulled up, and these ones are centered around the SpongeBob show. So these are all sort of like SpongeBob sound clips that I have for you to choose from. And I kind of picked the ones that I felt like I might actually use on the show since the ones that have been chosen so far with soundboard research, I have no idea when I'm going to use them. So I figured I'd actually like narrow out ones that would actually be on the show at some point or another. I'm ready to hear them. All right. So let me just pump the volume on this so you can hear it. And okay, so you got four sounds to listen to. Uh, the first being... So obviously that's sort of like, what is that? Like the, the curse word? Yes. <laughs> and the second one is obviously. Can you replay that? So let me try that one again. It's supposed to be. There we go. Oh, that's good. That's good. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> The my leg guy. And then this one I kind of like. A few moments later. Oh, that's perfect. That's perfect. I love that one. I feel like that one fits really well. And then there's one more. Um... You what? <laughs> you saved the best two for last. Those are perfect. <laughs> I know. It's going to be a hard choice. So. I feel like the dolphin sensor, the you what, and the few moments later one, I could all use. So honestly, either either one of those is a win. Do I only get to pick one? You unfortunately have to make that tough choice. Oh, that that is tough. I'm going to go with a few moments later because that's going to come so in handy when you're trying to edit stuff together that doesn't really work. I, I feel like I've already sort of pseudo done that a few times. <laughs> When I, because people just tend to ramble sometimes, and I do as well. So there's definitely been cuts where I've been like, and since that took too long, we're just gonna skip it. <laughs> so, a few moments later. All right, that is a great one. All right, so thank you for playing soundboard research. That was great. Uh, that's probably the most effective sound I've added to the soundboard so far. So I can assure you that that one will be used many times in the future. <laughs> <laughs> Amazing. I'm, I'm fist pumping over here, but yeah. then I realized on a podcast, so that doesn't really work. <laughs> All right. So now we're going to take some time to get more into your background, learn more about you. So uh, why don't you start off by telling me a little about sort of where you grew up, where you're from, as well as 
uh, where you went to college and what sort of your background was prior to coming to business school? Sure. Uh, basically, I slowly moved from west to east and then came back. Um, I was born in Brentwood, um, actually at UCLA Medical Center, um, where my mom worked at the time. And then when I was in high school, we moved from Southern California to Linden, Kansas, population 1,001. I believe it is. Wow. <laughs> I've recently been fact checked on that. And they were like, it's a thousand and one, by the way. Um, did they like so, celebrate yeah. breaking a thousand? Uh, <laughs> they probably did. They probably weren't aware of it at the time, but it was a great, it was a great like Friday night lights sort of high school experience. Like everyone in the town went to all the football games. Mm-hmm. Um, being in high school, there was like being a celebrity. It was very much all the parents like knew what was going on with all the kids and, and stuff. So that was really wholesome and fun. And then I went to Baylor University in Texas for my undergraduate education. I studied journalism and sociology. Um, I double majored in those. And I also did a very reading intensive um, honors program. And so anytime anyone complains about lots of reading in, in the core at USC, I'm like, you have no idea. I feel very <laughs> targeted by that comment, but. <laughs> No, but I, I mean, but I also just love to read. I, when I was younger, I wanted to be a librarian because I was like, you know, when you see those music videos with rappers on like piles of money, I was like, imagine <laughs> being surrounded <laughs> by stacks of books. Like, this would be so amazing. Uh, but I you're, became. You're I, literally Belle. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, that was my, yeah, of course. That was my dream to have a, a two story library with a ladder you with can With a ladder, you just sort of, yep. <laughs> Um, yeah, so that was my undergrad. I decided to pick the journalism route instead of a sociology route, um, which would have been a much more research intensive thing. I was ready to just hit the ground running and start reporting. So I, um, I started at the Waco Tribune Herald. That was my first reporting assignment, which is amazing. I mean, there's really nothing like reporting for newspapers. Um, you get out there, you interview people in person, um, you get to know the local police chief if you're on the crime beat. You, I had to cover a cat show in Waco, Texas, <laughs> which was crazy for one of the Sunday um, lifestyle sections. Um, and the interesting thing about it is, I mean, there's really no deadline like it. There is a space literally for you on the page, and you have to finish your story in time for it to print out. I mean, it's, there's no option. Was this like a a daily thing where you have to have a story every day or is it once a week sort of cadence? Um, It it was a daily paper. It was a daily paper. My deadlines were varied because I was a junior reporter when I was there, but, um, but yeah, it, it was a lot of, um, a lot of fun and a lot of pressure. Um, And then I ended up starting to work as soon as I graduated that sort of overlapped with my, um, my last couple of years of school. And then when I graduated, I started interning in New York for Rodale, um, which at the time has since been acquired by Hearst uh, magazines, but at the time was a publishing company that owned men's health, women's health, um, runner's world and bicycling. And I basically uh, stayed in magazines ever since and stayed in New York for the next seven years of my career. Damn. Um, so 
I guess going back a little bit, what was, I guess, the biggest culture shock of moving from the populous uh, Mecca of Southern California out to wherever you said you were out in Kansas? Oh, <laughs> yes, Linden, Kansas. <laughs> yep, Linden, Kansas. Um, the biggest shock was probably how not anonymous that you are, but that was, I mean, that's great practice for being in grad school, for being yeah. at work, et cetera. Um, living in Southern California, I mean, it's, it's very much, it's not like, oh, like, you know, everyone knows your business all the time. I mean, I'm sure it is in certain communities, but I just didn't live in an area where that was a thing. And so I think getting used to the fact that for most of your life and the further, the higher up you go in organizations and the more involved you get in communities, the more you're under a microscope. I think that mm. was um, a really good thing to get used to at a young age. Gotcha. And then for that first paper uh, down in Waco, uh, those must've been some interesting stories. I'm curious to see like, what were some of the more like crazy stories or events that you had to cover? So, you mentioned okay. the cat show. So the cat um, show. <laughs> The cat show was thrilling. Um, one of the, my most interesting assignments when I was working at Waco Today was, um, or I'm sorry, Waco Today was the magazine. Yeah. Um, but uh, when I was working at the Waco Tribune Herald, I had an assignment. Um, there were a bunch of drownings in um, Waco that summer in the Brazos River. And my editor was like, hey, Jessica, like, why don't you go out to the Brazos River and figure out why people are drowning? And I'm, I was like, you're kidding, right? Like, what am I going to do? Just stand around and like, talk, like, what, like people are, no one's drowning at this second. Like, I was just so confused. I was like, how is this going to work? Interview the ducks. Yeah. <laughs> I witnesses. Like, who's going to know? So, and I was also like, don't you think like police are trying to figure out like what the cause of the drowning is, whatever. Yeah. Needless to say though, I'm, a, I'm a junior in college and I really want to do well and I really want a good recommendation. So I was like, okay, I'm going to get my butt out there. So I head out to the Brazos River and I just start walking up to people and talking to them, anyone I see hanging out by the river. Um, and <laughs> interestingly, um, several of the people that I talked to said, that because there was a drought that summer and because there had been so little rain, a lot of the swimming areas, the roped off uh, designated swimming areas were smaller. And so people who were swimming were going outside of the designated swimming areas to, to like have any sort of fun because it was like, you know, no it was shallow and so small and just so shallow. Exactly. And so basically then that ended up being a front page news story. And um, and the, it was a real breakthrough in, um, what we had seen as, you know, a series of tragedies that summer and realize and recognizing that there was a, a pattern basically. And these people who had been drowning had been drowning outside of the designated swimming areas. But the reason what no one had put together yet, um, was exactly what these people told me was that it's not fun. It's not fun to swim in like basically a what kiddie is called, pool. Kiddie pool. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Um, so that was, that was huge. That was my first front page news story. Um, my editors were super proud and I was also just like, it was a big lesson in realizing that you don't underestimate the resources that are available to you basically. And what you can find out by simply talking to people. Um, because if you had told me 
I mean, if you had told me that morning, like, oh, you're actually going to learn something by mm-hmm. going to the river and hanging out there. I, I never would have believed you. I would have been like, that's doesn't, that's a waste of time. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I, I mean, I was on board with that until you sort of went on with the story too. <laughs> yeah. Um, that's actually pretty crazy too. That of all, like, I honestly, when you started that story, I was assuming some sort of like criminal intent, but, uh, <laughs> would not have believed it was just something as like simple as just like talking to people and getting to learn some other like viewpoints or vantage points that could actually lead to a breakthrough. Absolutely. It was huge for me. I, I think that was a turning point, I think in my reporting, my reporting career, but also just in how I relate to people. You can never really underestimate what just having, um, knowledge of an actual subject can um can do in terms of helping interpret data definitely a good life lesson in there as well to have yeah (laughs) um so going from there you ended up sort of moving to new york to join hearst i'm not really familiar with magazines or publishing companies so So, um at the time yeah, at the time, the publishing company was called Rodale. It has since been acquired by Hearst, um, but okay. I did not work there at the time that it was under Hearst. Um, so I worked at Rodale for three years, um, first at Prevention Magazine, um, where I started as an editorial assistant, which is where you start at the very bottom rung. Um, and then I worked my way up to beauty editor there, mm-hmm. um, My, which, by the way, was not my intent. I, I now people know me as someone who is a beauty expert, but honestly, going into magazines, I had no intention of doing anything with beauty. I thought of myself as a health and fitness reporter, mm-hmm. um, first and okay. foremost. I was actually yeah. curious because you were mentioning how they owned a bunch of different sort of magazine subsidiaries, like runners and stuff. And so yes. I was wondering sort of if you already had that angle going for you or if it's sort of something that you sort of lucked into and fell in love with. I... I was actually hired up. I was actually hired to intern at the company because I was a competitive power lifter in high school. So I, yeah. And I went on to work um, at the gym for the next four years in college. And I was one of the few applicants who applied to be a writer, but also knew about reps and sets and Mm -hmm. the difference between, uh, you know, a Jefferson lift and, you know, a trap bar, like just different things. And so terminology is yeah, exactly. So they were like, great. We're, you know, cause the kind of stuff I was doing was, you know, taking a men's health article and from the magazine and putting it online. Well, if you don't understand how to lay it out and you don't understand the flow of a workout, it's going to be difficult. Mm-hmm. So that was how I got started at the company. And then when I got my first job, my boss, who was a little bit she was like very intuitive. She was an interesting leader. And I always think about her when I'm in um, martial classes because she very much led by charisma. People wanted to do what she was doing. She just had this magnetism about her. Um, But she was also very perceptive. And she introduced me to the beauty editor um, on the first, my first day of work. And she said, this is Jessica. She has an interest in beauty. And I was like, do but I didn't want to say anything because it was my first day so I was just like oh yeah I love it it's great you know and from that day onward I mean the beauty editor was like great so you'll write for me so she she and the health editor were both assigning me equal amounts of work and Mm -hmm. I started noticing that I would 
always get my beauty work done first and then my health work whatever new you know cardiac recommendation was out that day I, it would happen a little later in yeah. my work day um so it became pretty apparent that my ideal job would probably be something that was entirely beauty yeah so you found yourself sort of slowly getting pulled towards beauty the more you got to work with it Absolutely. Absolutely. And I ended up then um, moving from Prevention Magazine, which is where I started, to Women's Health Magazine as their associate beauty editor. And I was there for about a year um, before I got uh, poached by Condé Nast to work at Allure Magazine as their senior beauty editor. And then my career sort of stayed in that lane from then on. Nice. Okay. So you pretty much worked your way through and up through the beauty chain, you were a senior beauty editor, which sounds like a really huge role to me. So uh, congrats <laughs> on that. And so you said you're about there for seven years or in the reporting industry for seven years now. Uh, mm -hmm. So what sort of things arose in your career that made you think that you wanted to uh, go back to school to pursue a graduate degree? Sure. Um, the further I the further I went in my career, and particularly on the beauty side, because uh, beauty, the beauty section of any magazine is one of the biggest revenue drivers because mm -hmm. um, beauty accounts have a lot of money to spend. So you think of like the Cody, P&G, Unilevers of the world. Um, those relationships that the beauty director um, and, and the beauty editors on a staff broker basically in terms of how are you covering their products etc it's not sponsored but it's definitely you know those are the first products that you're going to consider when you're you know creating gotcha. um when you're creating content and and they also and for good reason um you know the the larger companies um not only do they have a lot of money they're also putting a lot of money into their products there they have the the best trends and the biggest innovations. And so, I mean, you really are um, serving your readers by reporting on it. But all that to say is that being on the beauty side, you are involved with the business side a lot. Um, you do go on a lot of, of, of business calls. Um, and so that was a side that I, I got to see, but the further up I got um, in publishing, the more I realized that it's not, it's not really tenable to have managers at the top who rose up through the editorial ranks and were never trained in supply chain, who were yeah. never trained in managing a budget, who were never trained in managing people. Mm -hmm. um, and so a lot of what you see, a lot of the dysfunction you see in the publishing industry today, I, I truly believe it is because there are managers who are good writers and brilliant editors, yep. but they were never trained on the financial and the human capital side. And it really, really shows and, and it hurts um, the function of the teams and gotcha. the profitability ultimately of, of the magazines because the way money is spent um, isn't always as judicious as it could be. I got you. So you're saying that pretty much there's not a really huge overlap of skills between the editor side and I guess the financially more driven side. So um, and with a lot of editors being hired to manage your roles because of just hiring from within, uh, it results in just, I guess, not poor management practices, but just inefficient, I would say. 
Yeah, yeah, definitely inefficient. And and you would obviously, I had many good bosses over this time period, um, but I also, you know, saw people at different spots in the company and at different spots in the hierarchy who were, again, they're extremely talented in publishing, but they weren't as talented on the management side. And that really hurts, really hurts an organization. So did you notice any other managers sort of pursue uh, other education to help build out their management portfolio? Or is this something that you identified as a need yourself? Um, yeah, this is pretty unique. That's, that's not typically, I, I have not known any other managers who sought further education in this way. I do feel that the new generation of editors, I've had one or two peers who have also gotten master's degrees, not in business necessarily, okay. but, um, but I think there's an understanding now that um, the publishing industry is, is fundamentally changing and you really need to diversify your skill set if you're going to succeed in the long run. Gotcha. Uh, so it's clear that you wanted to, I guess, get more education to sort of tool yourself so you didn't sort of fall into the same pitfalls or I guess inefficiencies that were happening that you observed. Um, so in your selection process, what sort of, uh, were you looking for out of a school? So I knew I really wanted to focus on finance. So whether that, you know, whether that eventually is me returning to publishing and, and knowing how to really handle a budget in a way that serves my team and serves, um, serves the quality of the product, um, or whether I end up in more of an M&A role, which is something I'm pursuing this summer, mm -hmm. um, that that's something that was important in my education. So I, I looked into a number of business schools, um, with strong finance programs, but I also uh, looked into USC because I honestly have just wanted to go here since undergrad. I was accepted um, right out of high school, but I ultimately got a better scholarship to go to Baylor University, so I ended up accepting that. Um, but I've always felt like some part of me, I was like, I have to be a part of the Trojan family. So even though I was like, yes, I was going for the like, the the skill and I knew you know USC is obviously a top 20 business program and obviously I knew like the offerings were strong but ultimately when I made the decision it was based on the alumni network and um and really just the school spirit like I am so proud to be able to cheer for USC football and you know be a part of it Oh man, I hope we have tailgates this year. <laughs> oh, That'll be yeah. yep. or break my second year experience right there. Uh, but yeah, no, that's awesome. So yeah, so obviously USC is definitely one of the top programs, but really what stuck out to you is just the longstanding Trojan network that has been, I feel like this has been brought up on this show almost every episode at this point, because it really is just that impactful and that helpful in terms of uh, just how, many people you can reach out to and get honest and very candid and quick responses to. Right. And, and then how we relate to each other. I, I, I always feel like everyone wants everyone to succeed and I never wanted to go to a school where I felt like I had to watch my back and I don't hear. Yes. That is also very true. Maybe it's because we're just a little smaller so we get to know each other a little better. So we'd feel bad about stabbing each other in the back all the time. Maybe that's it. <laughs> I have no idea. <laughs> 
Um, okay, so we're sort of at the point where we're probably going to be going into more Marshall stuff. Uh, so before we do that, I want to cut back to our other segment we had that you chose out for today, which was the song blitz. So going off of how I know this has worked in the past, I'll let you pick what we'll do like two or three songs, depending on how much time we take. Uh, but I'll let you choose the genre for the first song. Emo. Emo. Fuck. All right. Um, okay. We got one for you. Okay. So again, you chose the theme emo. So I'm going to play you a few seconds of the song and then you get to choose, you get to guess the name and the artist. Um, Memory by Sugar Cult. Nope. So I'll give you a few more seconds of it now. That made it harder for me, and I don't know why. Um, I'm sorry, I'm singing the song in my head. Um, or what I think is the song. Oh, oh my gosh. I'm, I'm like nervous to guess again and be like completely wrong. <laughs> At least I'm pretty sure this fits emo, albeit maybe okay. more, maybe more okay. on a main. It's like more of like a mainstream emo. A mainstream emo, okay. Uh, it's not like underwrote or anything, but. Oh my gosh! Okay, I'm just gonna I'm just gonna throw a, a random guess and like definitely be wrong, but uh, um. <laughs> uh, welcome to my life by simple plan it's not that but i don't know no it is not that let's see if anywhere farther would help hold on oh no this is just gonna be awful <laughs> Okay, I actually just think I don't know this song. It's really? as crazy as that is. Yeah, and I, I'm, I'm, I don't know. I don't know what it is. What is it? My Chemical Romance. Okay, what was it by then? I'm not okay. I'm not okay. Okay, actually, I don't think I know that song. <laughs> 20, 21 Guns, yes. Man. Teenagers, yes. Well, I don't know. Like, I don't yeah, know that one. Well, it's like Welcome to the Black Parade, Teenagers, and I'm Not Okay are like their top three songs on here. Yeah. So. Okay. Okay. I'm pretty sure that fit emo-ish, right? I'm not okay. Yes. Oh, definitely. Def <laughs> oh, yeah. They well, it's they would be sad if you said that. My mom loves My Chemical Romance, so I don't, I don't relate to that as being inherently emo because <laughs> she just loves them for some reason so it, like that's amazing <laughs> um okay for a second song do you want to go emo again um, switch it up i know i feel like i'm playing roulette like do i double down um let's go country country 
I'm trying to pick genres that aren't picked. Uh, well, I've only done this once before, and I'm <laughs> pretty sure we stuck to EDM for that one. Ooh. Or like EDM, but I think it was like kind of like 10 years ago EDM. Okay. Yeah, yeah, I got you. Let's see. Oh, let me just pull this one up real quick. Yeah, you'll probably get this one easy. So I, I imagine after this one, we'll have time for a third. So you ready? I don't know that song. Ah, oh, god damn it! <laughs> I, what in the world? All right, I'll, I'll keep it going because that was obviously okay. the intro. Okay. Nope. Nope. Not what I know. Oh my gosh. This is awful. I um, can't this. The band name, band name is three words. Is it Zach Brown Band? No. No. There's, there's uh, no, there's no like band. There's, there's no band. There's no, there's no word band in it. <laughs> no, this is just a different kind of guessing game now. <laughs> it's three words. It starts. <laughs> oh, oh. Okay, guessing. I'm trying to guess based on like the voice, like if I possibly can. Are you playing Florida Georgia Line? Mm -hmm. No. Oh my gosh. No wonder I don't know it. But yes. Okay. Florida Georgia Line. <laughs> no wonder you don't know it. What does that mean? I don't like them. Oh. <laughs> it's like one of the one country bands that I'm like, this is miserable. This is this is bad. So I picked the one country band that you just <laughs> do not know. <laughs> I was going to start questioning if you ever actually lived in Kansas and Texas. <laughs> I know. I know. Actually, yeah, no, this is, but Florida Georgia Line is like, nah, I don't know. Questionable. <laughs> questionable. Debatable. Okay. For the, for the last one, if we have, t if we have time, I'll just yep. pick Disney. Disney. Disney is the category. Ooh, okay. Let's see. What do I got for Disney? I feel like I got to put a hard one now. Or do I have okay. to not? Or should I not put a hard one? <laughs> you, you, can, you can put a hard one. Just don't do it from anything from the last 10 years. Does that make sense? Nothing from or the last 10 years? Nothing from the last, like from when we were kids. Not yeah, like yeah, when no. Kids I was definitely kids. going back there. Okay, yeah. Um, okay, yeah, that's fine. Let's see. I'm trying to just visualize the different movies I have to choose between now. Let's see. Um, all right, you ready? I'm ready. Last one. Shit, did I just move it forward? Come from the hidden pine trails of the forest. Oh, colors of the wind, so haunted. All right. <laughs> we got one. <laughs> yes. Okay, that one was very easy then. <laughs> yeah. All right, good job. Yeah, I was, I was between like picking like a Hercules song. And I'm like, oh, they all sound the same because it's just the muses. They that's do. A, that's a dead giveaway. Anything from the Lion King's out. 
Yeah. Yeah. Little Mermaid, Beauty and the Beast. I was like, Pocahontas. I don't know. That's a good, that's a good Hail Mary there. That's a good one. That's a good one. I appreciate it. (laughs) All right. Now, so that does it for the song blitz segment. And so now we'll dive more into the Marshall specific questions for you. Uh, The first of which we have up here is what was your favorite event in your first year? And what event are you looking forward to the most in our second year? So they don't have to be the same event or they can be. Okay. My first, my favorite event the first year was it's a tie between the welcome back party, which is so much fun and where I feel like you finally get to see the legendary second years who you, you don't know who they are prior or you like hear about them. Um, so yeah, so that's when they all come out of hiding and that's very exciting. And then also every tailgate ever, because I'm a huge college football fan. Mm. I went to every single game. Um, that was a home game, every single home game. I live for tailgate culture and that was the best. So did you go to every USC game this season? I went to every USC home football game. Every home game? Well, yeah, of course. Uh, I went to every tailgate I don't think I actually went to a game, but. <laughs> oh, no, I, 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 I like go to the Coliseum. Like I'm there. I'm ready yeah. to shoot. I wish. Uh, I, I was just really used to in college, I guess. I was always the guy who set up the tailgate. So afterwards, it was usually a lot of work tearing everything down. And at that point, it's like not really worth going. So I guess that sort of transitioned over. Uh, but the welcome back party. Yeah, I, I'm really curious as to how that's going to run this year. It's definitely going to be later than usual because of the whole timing with term one for the incoming class. So mm-hmm. um, it definitely is going to be after their first three weeks, but then again, we'll also be on campus with them for three weeks. So it might not look as uh, big of a reveal as it was for you, I guess, or us the first time around. Yeah, definitely. Uh, which one of the, are you looking forward to both of those for next year then? Uh, so the thing I'm looking forward to most next year, obviously pending possibility of of human interaction um is the jonathan club dinner so that's an event that um marshall finance association puts on every year and um it's you know obviously at the jonathan club which is pretty Mm. exclusive and you can't really get in otherwise and it's um an open bar event it's with the whole club it's like a great opportunity um, it's after everyone, after recruiting is over. So, you know, everyone kind of celebrates their like internships. And for the first time this year, um, we were going to have alumni present as well. So it's also going to be a great networking opportunity. Um, so we're hoping to actually make that a reality next year. And I'm really yeah. excited. Was that a tradition before? It just sort of got caught yeah. up in everything this year. Yep, that's been a tradition for a long time. It's something that the second years had talked about all year long and we're really excited for. And so they kind of got us pumped for it as well. And um, yeah, I'm looking forward to that for sure. Well, as long as it's in the spring, I think that should be full steam ahead. So Mm -hmm. really, really hopeful for that one. Um, And so I guess coming from sort of the uh, editorial, like magazine industry, what clubs were the most impactful for you as a person as well as in shaping your career pursuits? So uh, whether it's sort of opening your eyes to other industries I might be interested in or even building on the skills that you wanted to learn here. Um, I would say Marshall Finance Association was the most instrumental club in helping 
um, shape my career pursuits because it was so focused on education. So we had, um, we had multiple meetings throughout the year where the second years would coach us on how to go through recruitment, would coach us on technicals, um, would coach us on um, just like, you know, basic, you know, what are the, what is the etiquette of interaction? What, when do your thank you notes go out, et cetera. Yeah. Um, so it was really nice to have that kind of mentorship um, throughout the process. I can't imagine going through it otherwise. And, um, and then also the, like it, even into the spring, once a lot of us got our internships, they, you know, coached us through, you know, what their summers were like, what we can expect. Um, a, a few modeling uh tips and tricks for Excel that could, you know, really set us apart, um, best practices. So yeah, it's great. It really is a program that sort of, um, relies on second year knowledge to bring the first years up to speed. And I'm, um, we're definitely planning on doing that again next year. Awesome. Yeah. So definitely big on the MFA club for sure. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Uh, and so last question. So, I know it always seems like you're doing a million things at once in your day. So uh, I guess from actually still working in your spare mm-hmm. time, some of the time at least. Uh, so what is your secret to handling the core course load in tandem with obviously your side work as well as recruiting and then all these different club initiatives like MFA and everything else? Um, the thing that was instrumental was just zeroing in very early on as much as possible on what I wanted to do, um, which isn't, I mean, I don't want to put undue pressure on anyone who, you know, maybe an incoming student listening to this. I mean, obviously take your time and explore, but if um, the more research you can do to be like, okay, this is the more research you can do to find out whether that's networking or whether that's like actually just like, you know, on your computer, um, to figure out which, you know, company that you think is going to be a fit for you, which blah, blah. I mean, I know you did this as well. Like, you know, really having a targeted search kind of frees up a lot of time for you not to, for you to be, um, intentional and in depth with your pursuit of your internship, but also to still have free time. Um, and I use that free time, my free time to, um, I still write cover stories for Allure magazine. So a lot of times I'll be interviewing a celebrity and somewhere in Los Angeles, and then I'll have like a couple weeks to write a like meaningful profile on them. And, um, and that's a lot of fun, but I wouldn't have it any other way. I don't think that I don't think that getting your MBA has to be a trade-off. I don't think you have to disappear off the face of the planet. I don't think that you have to, you know, not be involved in the, in the industry that meant a lot to you, where you obviously had, you know, put in a lot of work to gain a lot of status. Um, I think that, um, but yeah, it's definitely setting boundaries on all sides. So with my work, they know that, yes, I'll do a cover story, but will I do a story that is intensive with, emailing 12 experts. No, because I definitely still want to be able to attend, you know, social events and be there for my groups. I'm on a a lot of group projects like we all are, but so it's important for me to be available as well to my teammates. Okay. So both in, I guess, narrowing down your goals as well as being strategic as where the priorities lie. So know like what takes the top mark and then uh, effectively communicating what your bandwidth is so that people can help plan around that for you as well. 
Yep, definitely. Just because you can't do everything doesn't mean you can't do anything in right. you know in a certain area. So perfect. Yeah, that's just it's really good advice because uh, I know I sort of did the same thing with targeting on my industry early, but I know a lot of people who were sort of really playing the field for a while, and so they might be feeling overwhelmed by it, but. Uh, I guess just the mindset of the sooner you know, the easier it will get of getting the ship balanced, I guess. Cause I mean, the first couple weeks are gonna be chaos regardless for everyone. Cause they always yeah. are. Uh, <laughs> it's just sort of after, after sort of taking in all the information, trying to make sure that you dive through it all and prioritize effectively. Absolutely. You can probably hear my dog barking like a jackass in the background. Right now. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> It's like he sees one, he's like attracted to wheels. And so he sees one car go by and he just will not stop barking. Oh, <laughs> I think he's afraid of them. I have no idea what it is. Uh, so anyway, he's protecting you. Yeah. He, he thinks he is. He always thinks he is. Uh, and so that brings us around to the end of our show for today. Uh, we got two more things though, before we wrap up. And the first is uh, your, cell, your plug. So as a thank you for being a part of the show and part of the Marshall podcast here, I want to give you about a minute to promote anything that you want. It could be a club you're involved with. It could be anything going on in your personal life or just shout outs to other students. So whatever you got, just let the people know. Uh, sure. Um, I guess my biggest shout out would be I'm a part of the board for the Latino Management and Business Association. And we have a lot of programming coming up this year. And we just want to encourage as many people to participate as possible. We don't actually have a really big presence at Marshall. Um, and so as much as possible, it's important to us that our classmates who, you know, have an interest in like learning Spanish or Portuguese or have, you know, their friends are in the club or their partner um, is, you know, Latino. We're encouraging everybody to be involved as, as much as possible. You don't have to have a reason or an excuse. Um, mm -hmm. We just want to um, drum up involvement and excitement for that because we're definitely excited. Um, and then I guess just a plug for my work. Um, you can find my work on allure.com. I have a contributor page. It is Jessica and the last name is Chia, C-H-I-A. Um, and that's where you can find all my latest articles. If you want, I could probably throw a, an actual link for your contributor page into like the podcast description as well. Yeah, that would be great. I'll send it Okay, perfect. Um, and so otherwise, good, good plug. I'm really looking forward to the other events going on with LMBA next year. Um, I, I remember them having the sponsored, I guess, uh, MGSA mixer last year where yeah. you guys brought a bunch of like random like treats and stuff to go along with, you know, the standard MGSA mixer free alcohol and food and stuff. So <laughs> I remember that was really fun. And lastly, uh, you have the final choice of picking the song to close our episode tonight. So I know you're between two, but now the time has come to narrow it down to one. Okay. Uh, I got to go with Galantis. Going with Galantis. Okay. Yes. So you're choosing you and I by Galantis. And as you put it, it reminds you of more fun times when you could actually attend music festivals and be outside and around other people. <laughs> yes. Absolutely. Yeah. Good times. Good memories. Yes. All right. So definitely a great pick. All right. So that's all the time we have for today. Again, I've been joined by Jess Chia. Jess, lovely to get to talk to you and learn more about where you grew up, how you ended up in Kansas, and then also how you ended up all the way out here back at Marshall. 
Thanks, Fetch. <laughs> All right. Thanks, everyone. We'll see you next time. Think I can fly?